Now, if you'll open your Bible tonight to the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 33, we will be in a verse in just a moment. Jeremiah chapter 33. You know, as we think about prayer, and in fact, if you look at your bulletin, and my goal tonight, in fact, what I've, what I've prayed about, this outline looks like something John would turn in. I mean, he, have you noticed he's gone from these exhaustive outlines to no outlines? Have y'all noticed that? And it really doesn't matter because seldom does he ever preach the outline anyway. He just turns it in and it goes. But I looked at that and I thought, well, I just don't think I can do all that in one sermon. I may not. I hope I do. I have prayed that I would because I really need to get all of this done. And the problem is this. Next Sunday morning, I'm preaching, and next Sunday night, John's preaching, so if I don't finish this tonight, then it will be two weeks from the night, and by then, we'll all be forgotten what I did, so I need to put the thing together. Father, I do pray tonight that you would help me now to just, you know, I'll, I'll do what I do, but I'm asking you tonight, God, we're dealing with something that is the most important thing in all of our Christian lives, I do believe, and that is uh, this matter of effective praying. Be successful uh, in our prayers and things we can do to help us better do that. And Lord, I'm, am a, uh, I'm, I'm a learner in the process, but I thank you for the things that you have put upon my heart and in my heart to share, and I pray tonight that God, what I share will be helpful and it will help each here, and maybe some in one way and some in another, to, to actually be more effective uh, in their praying. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, whatever the subject, the best example to look is Jesus. And what a true statement that is when it comes to this matter about prayer. Now, as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, thinking about prayer, you're just reading the Gospels, and that is on your front burner. And you say, I'm going to read about the prayers that Jesus prayed. What did Jesus actually pray? Now, listen very carefully. You may want to jot this down in some blank space that you have in the bulletin, for it's not in the outline part. But the fact of the matter is, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you only find six instances where you have the words that Jesus prayed. Now, you need to hear that very carefully. I didn't say he just prayed six prayers. I said you find only six instances where in the Bible you actually read the words that Jesus prayed. And I, I won't go through all of that, but for example, in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's one instance. But you'd have to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke to get the whole picture, because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he actually prayed. You have the words that he prayed of three different prayers, but all that's one instance. On the cross, that's another instance. Jesus prayed three prayers on the cross. You have to read more than one gospel to get all three of them. But then in addition to those two instances, there are four other instances where you actually read what Jesus said. Well, for example, John 17, that's, that's the prayer that he really prayed to the Father, the whole chapter. Well, then there are others. You, you have a total of six. Now, in addition to these six instances that you have of the actual words that Jesus prayed, 
There are nine other references in the gospel of Jesus praying. Now, in those nine instances, you don't, you don't read the words he prayed, but you just read about his praying. Uh, for example, uh, at the Last Supper, we read where Jesus prayed. Uh, we read about Jesus' uh, prayer at the Supper uh, on the Emmaus Road. That would be a very good sermon. That's a very interesting little verse that tells us about Jesus praying and then breaking the bread. But the Bible doesn't tell us what he prayed. We don't know what his words were. But it's very interesting. It's very exciting. It'd be a good sermon series, just the prayers of Jesus, what Jesus prayed to his Father, to God the Father. But that was just part of his prayers. The other part of his prayer life was listening to what God the Father said to him. And this is what I want us to dwell on here tonight. You see, that is the other part of our praying. One part of our praying is what we say. And the other part of our praying is what we listen and hear God say back to us. And that is what we're going to deal with. Now, if you take your bulletin very quickly, we can go through this first part very, very easily, I think. I want to give you two foundational truths for effective praying. Two foundational truths for effective praying. And the very first one is effective prayer occurs when we talk to God and when we listen to what God says to us. That's so very important. Like, what is a, what is a, how do you pray effectively? Well, you talk to God. And then what do you do? Then you listen to what God has to say to you. Now, an example of this on prayer is in Jeremiah chapter 33. If you look with me in Jeremiah chapter 33 and look in verse 3, God said to Jeremiah, he said, call to me. That's what prayer is. And then what does God say? He said, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So in this one little verse, and I chose the verse in Jeremiah to illustrate what I'm talking about. This whole idea of effective prayer is what? Is, is we talk to God and then we listen to what God has to say to us. Now here comes the question. When, when we're talking to God, like, you know, maybe that's the the hang-up. Maybe that's a little wall for some people. Like, what do you say when you talk to God? Well, I want to give you some words, and I wish you'd just jot them down. You may have already encountered these words, maybe in a different order, but I'm going to give them in this order. First of all, I wish you'd jot down the word confession. I think that is the beginning place always when we begin a prayer to God. We begin to confess to God. You say, what do we confess to God? First of all, confess your sins to God. It will, it will just change everything else about this prayer. Time. Just be honest with God and confess your sins. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter number 11, Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, you pray, forgive us our sins. That's the starting place. In 1 John, in chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What does that word confess mean? It means you agree with God. This whole idea of confessing your sins to God is not like saying, God, I know you don't know this, but let me tell you what I've done. 
Let me tell you what I've thought. Let me tell you what I've not done. No, no. God knows everything we've done. Confession means we just agree with God. God, I want you to know I agree with you. My attitude has been rotten. God, I want I just want to agree with you, and you just confess that sin. To me, that is the starting place. Now, under confession, I think there's a second matter. Confess this to God, that God, I want to confess to you that I understand without you, I can do nothing. That is so very important. Jesus said, and you might jot down the verse, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, uh, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've just learned in my own prayer life, we're trying to, whether it be something we're trying to make progress on in the church or something we're trying to get done or whatever it may be, I, I first want to ask God to cleanse me of all my sins so I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then I want God to know that I understand. God already understands it. But I want God to know that I understand, apart from Him, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. And all oh, that is the great way to begin our prayer. Number two word is the word praise. Listen carefully. You just praise God for who He is. Not for what He has done for you. That's another matter. You praise God for who He is. And you think of His attributes, all of His qualities, all of His characteristics, and you praise God for that. The third word is the word thanksgiving. Here's where you thank God for things He has done for you. And, and I just think of it in that way. And, and I, I have three Ps, and I, sometimes I go beyond that. But, but here are my three Ps. I, I thank God, first of all, for his physical blessings. I don't take for granted that he has blessed me physically. And none of us should do. That's just a thing God, I think, needs to hear every day. And then I thank God for my possessions. The Bible says every thing we have is a gift from God. And so I, I just, I thank God for my possessions uh, far beyond anything I ever certainly deserve, but far beyond anything I ever imagined. And then I, my, my third P, I, I just have it this way where I can remember, and then others, but, but my third P is for people. I thank God for people, people who have impacted my life in the past, Many of them now are in heaven, and others are still on the earth. I thank God for people who have blessed me in the present, and I thank God for people that He will yet bring into my life to bless me. I had an experience of this today. Many times I do this in my spirit. I don't stop and bow my head and say, now I'm going into a deep season of prayer. But today, as recent as lunchtime today, as recent as lunchtime today, uh, I had lunch with... Uh, uh, Adam and, uh, and, and his precious wife, Ashlyn, and uh, we, we went into the restaurant to eat, and as we were walking to our table, uh, I walked by two of our members, and I'm about to break one of my own rules. I never mention someone's name without their permission, but you think it'll be okay if it's a good story? I mean, I want God to get the glory out of this. But I'm just walking back to where we're going to sit to eat. And I look, and here sit uh, a man and a woman, belong to our church, named Ray and Tina Morrison. 
And I didn't even, I spoke to them, but I did not, but, but even before I spoke to them in my heart, I said, God, I'll never cease to thank you enough that you put Tina Morrison in our family's life to help us through a very difficult time. They're, they're faithful members of my church. They sit back in the back, the 11 o'clock service. Um, she, I knew she was a, a nurse at MD Anderson, but that's all I really knew. I, I'd known that for for years. But I remember one day when Dottie was in the hospital at MD Anderson. In fact, in our first visit, we were there those first three days, I was sitting in a room and, and she walked in the room and she had on her outfit that she wears and she said, I just kind of came by to let you see how you're doing, let you know I'm praying for you. And if there's any way I can help you, just let me know. Well, that was, you know, that's what you would have thought she would have said. Well, little did I know what she did at MD Anderson. You, you, you know, you may not remember, but during Dottie's second chemo treatment, we were back in the hospital again for three days and nights. But then when we got to the third chemo treatment, and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, it, from the third on, we no longer, Dottie no longer was put into the hospital. They moved her then to what's called outpatient chemo. And we were somewhat, on that first time around, at least I was, I was uh, somewhat apprehensive. We'd never been to outpatient chemo and they had kind of described it to us how it was going to be a little bit and said, you'll be there eight or nine hours and then you'll take the chemo home and you'll keep taking the chemo at home for two days and then you'll come back. And, you know, I did but anyway, long story short, guess, guess what? I, what I didn't know was, um, they have that big old outpatient chemo. It's a whole, whole floor, and it's, uh, they, have, they call them quads. There'll be a bunch of rooms going this way and this way and that way and that way. Well, she's over one of these quads. And so when we go into the room, and uh, someone took us into this little room, in walks Tina Marston. And she said, I'm going to, I've assigned myself to be the one to give you chemo today. And all the way through that chemo. Now, she, she wasn't always the one that did it, but she was on duty the whole time. She supervised over that group. But she just kind of mothered us through that thing, and we just always felt so good knowing she was there. And I will never cease to be thankful. And so today, I'm just simply saying, I'm just going into a restaurant to eat. The last thing's on my mind is anything like And I look at her, and I said, God, I'm preaching about it tonight. I'm t God, I just want to thank you right now for and what she has meant in her kindness and encouragement during a very difficult time. Now, I think it's okay I share that story. If you think it's okay, would you say amen? All right, Tina, when I see you, if you didn't like it, I just got all their approval too. Okay. Now, here's a point. There is a point. You see people every day, even some of you tonight, some earlier tonight. I was in a finance committee meeting, and I'm thinking about this point. Uh, it, off and on in the meeting about what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And I'm just looking around the table at the people in that room. And some of those people, I just prayed a little prayer mark. God, thank you for putting that person in my life. Thank you, God. And I want to encourage you. This Thanksgiving is a huge part in prayer. Thank God for your physical blessings. Thank God for your uh, possessions that he's blessed you with but thank God for people that he's put into your life and then petition oh listen petition is asking God for things for yourself now someone says well now wait a minute that's selfish 
<laughs> no, they need a good course in theology. That's not selfish. You know, when you thank God is one thing, but when you ask God for something, what you're really doing, you're, you're putting your dependence on him. And nothing could please the Father more than for you and for me to acknowledge that we depend on him. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You're showing your dependence on God. You're not being selfish. Now, hopefully we're asking things that would be in the will of God. You know, not selfish things, but we're asking God for things. I ask God for many personal things. I'm, I'm declaring my dependence on God. Now, if he chooses to do it a different way or no way at all, so be it. You know, I want to I have a faith that doesn't require every time I ask God to do something, he does it. There's no faith of that at all. God knows what's best, but it's a beautiful, beautiful. And then intercession. Write that word down. That's where you intercede. You pray for other people. That's what we did this morning when we stood in the gap. Boy, that's a, God put that on my heart a couple of weeks ago. It's, it, obviously, I've hit a hot button. All of us have people going through physical things. Some of the people who stand here are the very people themselves. But we're standing in the gap. And here's what we know. We're interceding for them in prayer. And God knows who we're standing for. This morning, I had six people that I pray for every single day, plus others, but these six right now that are going through just tremendous physical challenges that need a miracle from God, and I'm going to intercede for them. And so that is how we talk to God. Now, that's the first foundational truth. Now, very quickly, let, let's deal Let's deal with this second matter, this second foundational truth, and good it is. Effective prayer occurs when we understand that listening to God is more important than talking to God. I want you to jot that one down. Listening to God is more important than talking to God. You see, think of it this way. Relationships, whatever they may be, all relationships are mainly driven by communication. That's worth remembering. That's how you maintain relationships. You communicate. I was thinking, well, what would be a good example? And I thought, well, I don't know if it's a good example or not, but it's an example. Dot and I have been married 55 and almost a half years. Now, listen carefully what I'm about to say about that. Our relationship is not based mainly on our commitment. Now, there is commitment. Don't negate that out. But our relationship is based or is driven, maybe it would be a better way to say that, not just on our commitment, but on our communication with each other. By communication, it means we talk to each other, and then we listen to the other. And what I'm saying is this, in relationships, whether it be in marriage, or at work, or in whatever gathering it may be, any relationship, the thing that drives that relationship mainly that makes it the best it can be is that we, we, yes, we talk to the other person, but we listen 
back. It's a, it's a two-way street, and that is so very essential when we get into this matter of relationships. Now, that is true not just in marital relationships or friendship relationships or business relationships. It's even more true with God. Our relationship with God, our prayer life becomes more effective when we do what? Yes, we talk to God about the things we've just mentioned, but then mainly when we listen back to what God has to say. You say, well, how do you, how do you hear God back? Well, we're going to deal with some things to do quick in a moment. But, but first of all, the main way we hear God back is His Word. That is, that is the essential of reading your Bible. But then, oftentimes, you hear God back. Um, well, the rhema, I mentioned that word. You'll not find it in your English Bible, but it's translated in our English Bible as the word word. The normal way the word word is, uh, is, 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 comes from the Greek word logos, and we have translated like in the beginning was the word, that's logos. But like in the book of Romans, even though it's translated W-O-R-D, the word is not logos, the word is rhema. And you say, what is a rhema? A, a, a rhema is a quickened utterance that comes from God to your spirit. Primarily, it will be a Bible verse that will pop up. You just, something you need. I had that happen yesterday morning early. A friend elsewhere is having surgery in the morning, and they'd let John know about it. They went through school with John. John told me about it, so I sent him a text and said, Hey, I'm, I, John told me about your surgery Monday. I want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. Send me a text and tell me, tell me about the surgery so I know better how to pray. And quickly I received the text back. And I just, I experienced a rhema. I just had a couple of verses pop up. That I said, you need to text him those verses. And I did. Haven't you had times in your life where you just, you're trying to figure out something, or maybe you're fearful about something, you're about to go through something, and then some verse like Isaiah 26 will just pop up. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in me. That's what God, a rhema. Or a rhema might not be a verse that just pops up. A rhema may just be, on rare occasions, God's spirit just speaks to your spirit and says, this is the way, go in it. This is right. Affirms this. No to that. Now, you want to be sure. Oh, you have to be careful at this point because God's spirit will never tell your spirit anything that contradicts God's word. But, oh, it's a blessed thing. You say, I've never had many of those experiences. I encourage you, listen more. Listen more. You know, it's hard to listen. But let me share some things that will help you, these little three principles, and we'll deal with it very quickly, and, and we'll cover it all. You know, what, what can I do to do that? Not only talk to God, but listen to God. Maybe that's an area where you have a hard time. I hear John say sometimes, I heard him in a sermon on the radio the other day, saying, you know, just find a time where you just sit and you don't you have everything else off and you just sit and just listen to what God's going to say to you. And, and sometimes in John's sermons, I'm not betraying anything he said personal. I've heard him allude to, you know, sometimes he'll take 30 minutes just to sit and listen to what God says. Well, how, 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 what can we do to better listen to God? Well, first thing, be still and quiet before God. That 
is easier said than done. Could I have an amen to that? <laughs> be, be still. <laughs> oh, my gracious, in our, in our noisy society, it's hard, to, it's hard to find somewhere to be quiet. Just noise everywhere. You know, in fact, we get nervous if there's not noise. Like in church, if, if, if I just were to stop for like 30 seconds and not anything be said, it, everybody gets fidgety. Because we, we do better if there's a lot of noise. But, but be still and quiet before the Lord. Put your phone down. You know, if you've got your cell phone and every time you get a text, that little beep, 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 uh, you're going to have a hard time listening to God. Turn the television off. Do, do whatever you need to do to be, to be still and quiet before the Lord. Number two, and you're going to need to add a word in your bulletin that's left out. Do not be in a hurry in your prayer time. If you would just take your bulletin and write that word prayer right before the word time. Somehow it didn't, didn't make it. You know, do not be in a hurry in your prayer time. You know, that's alien to who we are and how we live because everything's in a hurry. We live in a world where everything is faster and faster. About anything you want can be delivered at lightning speed. Have you noticed that? Dottie ordered a, you know, Dottie has not been able to go in the stores very much in the last 10 months to buy things. It's really helped our cash flow (laughs) until... She figured it out. I can do it online. And she's become very good at that. The other morning, she ordered a pair of tennis shoes. Well, it was about midday, the day she did it, from a place called Zappos. And when she hung up, she said, now they'll be here tomorrow. I said, you, it was after lunch when we ordered things. I said, you just ordered them, and they're going to be here tomorrow. She said, going to be here tomorrow. Well, the very next night, they, they normally come before real dark, but we heard something make a, like something was thrown down our front door. It frightened me. She said, it'll be Zappos. <laughs> it was Zappos. I mean, like things can, everything, like entire movies can be downloaded in minutes. Books can be uploaded in seconds, whole book. Everything is like that. But hear me, you can't grab the Bible like you do a donut and coffee on the way to work and think you're going to get much like that. You see, this whole idea of prayer, you just, I know, I know we live by schedules, we have to do what we have to do, but this whole idea of always being in a hurry, you know, I think about that oftentimes when I, like, when I look at our order of worship, and we have to, we have to have an order of worship. I'm not being critical of that, but like, it's 6.08, we're going to do this. 6.15, we're going to do this. 6.17, we're going to do that. 6.27, we're going to do that. 6.29, we're going to do this. 6.32, we're going to do this. 6.41, we're going to do this. 7.03, you're going to give invitation. Well, I've already missed that. 705, I may, you know, and then, then we, and I'm not being critical of this. I mean, we got to, I mean, God's not a God of confusion. But then, then like before I come out, I said, now, Lord, 
We just pray that your spirit today would not be bound by anything and just have freedom to do whatever he chooses. And then we look at this thing. Well, God, do that, but do it by 617, 629. Now, now we got to have this. I understand. But we're not bound by it, obviously. I'm 10 minutes late right now. And uh, I said, okay, I'm doing the best I can, but I'm about to wrap up. But I'm saying when it comes to prayer, and sometimes we, we have to, we, we know we don't have long to pray. It's not, you don't have to have two hours to have a prayer. You know, during the day, I have a little moment prayers about many things. But in our serious prayer time, it, it, if it's where you can, if you can do it when you're not in a hurry, you don't have to finish by this time or that time. Just let the Spirit lead. It will just be a better prayer. And then, number three, jot this down. Set aside set times with God. Now, I believe that strongly. If, if I don't have a time that I have set aside before I go to bed tonight, that I'm going to have my time with God in the morning, it just probably is not going to happen. Now, we're all different. You know, some people say, I just kind of go with the Spirit. Well, if you're effective that way, you just keep on going with the Spirit. But I just need to know what I'm going to, like I know what I've got to do tomorrow just like you do. So if I have to get up an extra hour to, to know I'm going to have an unheard time in prayer, I'll be wiser and better to do that. My, my prayer time, my talking to God and my listening back to God will be just so much better. And I think these things will help in a very wonderful way. There is a man named Robert Murray McSheen. You've never perhaps heard of him. He was a godly minister in Scotland in the 1800s. R.T. Kendall, you've heard of him. He comes every year. Uh, the, the, his daily Bible reading is the plan that McSheen developed. And I did that one year, and I found it just more than I could do. I just, I, it didn't work for me. I hung in there. But Kendall has been doing it for years. But be that as it may, he's a godly man. And he has a statement that I think is one of the best statements. Let me say this and I close. He says, what a man is alone, on his knees, before God, so is he, and nothing more. That's a powerful statement. What a man is, on his knees, before God. So he is, and no more.